Hi, I'm Pastor Gabe with the Reborn Church, and welcome to our podcast. I pray today as you listen, the message would inspire you, encourage you, and strengthen you, and give you a craving for righteousness, to pursue holiness with God-glorifying ambitions. Word here this morning, if you are physically able, and the Word of God reads as follows, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery which is in Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Amen. You may now be seated. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, to... As we come together, we thank you for the opportunity that you have blessed us with read your word, to go in depth in the teachings as it is written by Paul. And so today as we read the word, we pray that you would minister to us through it. Of course, this is your word, so we know that you are speaking speaking directly to us today. And so as we read your word, Lord, let it be applicable to us as we leave, leave this place and we become even bolder to share the truth of your word, but also understanding that we need to develop, and you help us with that by the Holy Spirit, that we're developing into more and more maturity in you. So we thank you today. Lord, help me to speak without error. This is your word. We give you the glory and honor for all things today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 The sermon title for this uh, reading today is God's people bring movements when you are walking in the will of God and you are absolutely knowing you are in the will of God God will move you you will do things in your life that you never thought possible because you're walking in the will of God so God will move you so here in this part of the letter with the second chapter Paul wrote this letter to a thriving church a a church that was really growing in their faith in God, really growing and understanding the gospel, really growing and understanding who Jesus was, really growing and maturing at a great level, at a real high level. So Paul desired to meet them face to face. He wanted to sit with them and talk with them and meet them face to face. He wanted to to hear what they had to say, to hear what their own explanation of the gospel. He wanted to interact with them. So he desired to meet with them face to face. Remember, we told you this letter, uh, in this letter that Paul had written, he's writing it from prison. And he's in prison writing this letter, and he's really desiring, he struggles with the desire to be there. He wants to see the church in Colossae. He wants to see their thriving. He wants to see them growing and thriving in the things of God. So he has a hunger and a desire to do this because he knows God is growing these people and moving these people. Well, let me share a story with you kind of relates to this. Uh, many of you know that, or some of you may not know that I used to gospel rap. And one of the things that happened to me in 1999, there was a guy named T-Bone. How many of you never heard of a guy, Christian rapper named T-Bone? Now, not too many. 
No, T-Bone, huh? <laughs> well, there was a guy named T-Bone, and when I was in the rap music, it was not for, for uh, God's glory at all. I was doing secular rap music. And so somebody had pressed upon me a, a tape. Uh, it was a cassette tape back then. They gave me this cassette tape, and I played the cassette tape, and it was a cassette tape of a rapper named T-Bone. And, of course, I was unsaved. I was worldly. I was doing, you know, ungodly music. I'm not proud of, but I really had a desire to make it and do great things for myself and my family. But when I heard that tape, and he was talking about Jesus, and when I heard that tape, I heard his skill level, rapping and is a skill, it's a real, real, uh, it's, a, it's an art, uh, and some are skilled than others with the gift of rap music, and so, but there was something that I wanted to be known for, and that was like rapping real fast. I used to like to rap real fast kind of twisting the tongue a little bit. I used to want to do that and be the best at it. And so it was kind of, uh, you know, boastful. And I felt like I was really good at it. Probably better than one, better than anybody here in Arizona, that's for sure, that I could do it better than them. So when I heard T-Bone do his thing and I heard the tape, I was shocked. My mouth hit the floor. I had this guy rapping about Jesus. But he was rapping faster than I could ever rap. And so it really, really was ministered by him and by his music. So one day after you know, a few months had passed, I had received the Lord. God had changed me, but it was one of the seeds that was planted in my life to open my life up to the things that God was doing in the lives of different people. God was moving through his life. And so I always had prayed. I said, Lord, one day I said, I would like to meet this individual. I'd like to go up to him one day and say, thank you for your music ministry. Thank you for your obedience to God. Uh, your music really impacted my life when I wasn't in such a great place. And I prayed this prayer. And so one day I met a, another, another young man. He's here today. Uh, <laughs> and we went on a road trip in vocab. We went on a road trip up to California. And we were on a road trip up there, and it was a real, real funny road trip. We had a great time driving up to California and going to California. We were there to go minister at some kind of music seminar. They had a Christian rap section. So Vocab and I, and also another brother named Leonard Hewitt, whose name Smooth Rapture. Maybe he'll watch the video and find that I gave him his name out there today. But even him, we three of us, the three of us went on this road trip. And as we were driving, went through downtown L.A., we were driving around. Somebody had noticed by this acting building I don't know which one it was. One of my brothers had noticed that there he was. There was T-Bone sitting outside of an acting studio. Who didn't, he looked all disheveled. He didn't look very well. So we went there and went around a couple of times in a circle to park because downtown L.A. was just crazy and real congested. So um, he had gotten down. We found a sparking spot, gotten down and went over to him, walked up to him and said, hey, aren't you T-Bone? He said, yeah, I am. And, and it was pretty amazing because we got a chance to talk to him and tell him and I actually got an answer to my prayer I had a chance to go to him and tell him say hey man uh thank you for your music and your obedience I said you really your music really ministered to me and uh, not so much it wasn't so much for us I don't think but he didn't seem like he was in a really good place he had told us that he had just come overseas he was in his acting class he wanted to become an actor and he looked real disheveled but we kind of lifted him up by saying hey look at us we your music has impacted our lives and so uh, it was a great face-to-face -face meeting with somebody that ministered to me. So it's like when Paul wrote this letter, he really desires to have a face-to-face -face meeting with the people that are growing in the things of God. 
You imagine going to a church that you hear about that they're really on fire for God. I mean, everyone's united in doctrine and everyone's united in the things of God. And yet you have an opportunity to go there and talk to these people and meet them face to face because they know something that uh, you've been, you've ministered to them. And so it's like Paul wants to meet them face to face. He wants to meet them face to face. So let's go to the text here in verse one. Colossians chapter two, verse one. It says, for I want you to know how great a struggle. There is. He's struggling. He really desires to meet them. He says, I'm struggling. I have for you, meaning the people there at Colossae, the church, and for those at Laodicea. It was another city right on the outside of uh, Colossae because the word of God was spreading. And the church there in Colossae, these individuals knew doctrine. They had right theology and they were sharing Jesus Christ in their region. And it says, and for all who have not seen me face to face, this is his desire. And this is our desire for all of you. This is what we as ministers pray that you would want also, that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love. Their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love. On the sermon notes, this is very important. The reason why these people were moving forward in the things of God is because they were united in their doctrine. When people aren't united in their doctrine, we know that doctrine, proper doctrine divide, it, it, is, it brings unity. But false doctrine really divides. When someone believes something else that's totally unbiblical, it will divide. But they were united because they were understanding proper doctrine. Receiving letters from Paul, and here this church was thriving, unlike the church in Corinth. In Corinth, that church had all kind of problems. That church was really messed up. But here, this church had it together. I mean, they really had it together, and they were strong in the things of God compared to the church in Corinth, which I'll be talking about tomorrow, and so many complications that they had there. So he has a desire and a struggle to meet them. This is what scripture is teaching us today that he wants to meet them face to face. It's like I had the opportunity to meet a brother in Christ face to face that ministered to me. So Paul really wants to meet them face to face because he knows that their hearts are knitted together in love. Their hearts are knitted together in love. That means that they have a desire, a strong desire to grow in the word of God. They really loved the Word of God. They were understanding the Word of God, studying the Word of God, reading the Word of God, going over and discussing things when it concerns the Word. And so this is what knit them together. This is what should knit all of us together, is our desire and our love for the Word of God. Do you all love the Word of God? I know that you love the Word of God. And studying the Word of God together is what church is all about. It's how we grow. It's how we grow together and get to know each other. That way we can talk to one another. Because maybe you heard something from somebody else that's trying to influence you in another way. So if we have dialogue and we're talking about the Word of God together, then we can discuss it. We can correct each other in love and righteousness. And so this is what brought them together was their desire to grow in the Word of God, to know the Word of God. This is our desire for all of you is to know the Word of God. Why? Because since the beginning... Of, of the, of the, the, where the word of God had come and everything that comes with that, uh, 
the writing of the word of God, everything, the enemy will try to do everything he can to confuse and distort and twist the word of God. So it's important that we grow together and that our hearts are knitted together in love, in meaning in love with the word of God. It says, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery. Mystery. So on your sermon notes, what are some of the things that we, I'm going to tell you the things that we should be united on. If we're not united on these things, and you may have Christian brothers and sisters who believe other things, this is your time to talk to them, understand these things, so that you can have open dialogue with some of the things that they may have misconstrued. Maybe they don't have it right. Maybe it's your opportunity to talk about some of these things. Well, we know that we are saved by grace alone. Can I get an amen? amen. I think the baby understands that. Amen. amen. Through faith alone. Can I get an amen? amen. In Christ alone. According to the scripture alone. For God's glory alone. Do we agree on these things, church? There are people that disagree with these things that will try to add things to Christ. And here's the problem, and here's Paul's problem, and he wrote that he had to deal with concerning this church. Because this church was strong, but yet there were people who were coming and saying, wait a minute, it can't be that easy. But yes, it is that easy if we understand the birth of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, his resurrection, his descension, and then ascension, and then him returning again. If we get that right, which we should all get right, and knowing that God is triune, then we can agree and we can come together and we're knitted in love and we're growing and we're encouraging one another and we are understanding the full assurance, as scripture teaches us, of understanding of understanding the knowledge of God's mystery, which is the fact that all of you have been grafted into the body of Christ, into, into the family of God. The mystery has been revealed that the word of God, Jesus, who comes to earth, who lays down his life for his people, includes all of you. And that you are now redeemed, you are justified, just as if you have never sinned. You have been given a second chance and you are now God's people so you being God's people I know that you are moving in the will of God you are absolutely moving in the will of God and you are moving you are doing things to please God you are fighting your sin you are fighting things and doing things in your life to kill and diminish the flesh and you are walking by the spirit so we know that you are doing this and it's our job to mature you in these things but on the sermon note Point number one is this. It says the Colossians were believers who moved mightily throughout their city by proclaiming Christ. That is our desire here at the church, is to proclaim Christ throughout this city, is to give them the true Christ. Now the Christianity that we offer individuals always is one thing, is Christ. If we're going to preach to you, we're going to tell you about Christ. Now the things that we, which you hear quite often are different offers of Christianity. There are a lot of people who go to, you, go, you may go to outreaches, you may go to different churches, and when you come uh, to, or to an encounter with a, a man of God who's preaching the word of God, he may offer a different Christianity to you, but let me tell you, if they're not offering you Christ, then they're giving you something else. There's many times where we go, and we hear people who are giving the word of God, but all I hear about is their offer of things. God did this for me. 
God did this for me. I'm going here because of God. I'm doing this because of God. I'm doing this and I'm moving in a certain way because of God. It's all about God. See, if God's doing this for me, guess what he will do for you? He will move you. He will place you here. He will. Be, but all the while, you're not getting anything about Jesus. Yeah. We're talking about everything that God has done for me. But yet, the offer isn't anything but Christ. When someone preaches to you, they should be giving you Christ because Christ is what everyone needs. You need to know who Christ is, why he came to earth, why he went to the cross, why he lived a perfect life, why you actually need to be rescued. Some of the things that bother me, and I'll tell you why, is that when people represent Christ and they preach a Christ, they preach a Lord, they preach a God, it's not the God of the Bible because there's a lot of things that people don't understand when they are being taught a different Jesus, a different doctrine about who Christ is. You have your back, or you all had your back once against God. I don't know if you ever turned without God grabbing you and pulling you. you God had to reach out and grab you. God reached out and grabbed me. I was headed in a wrong direction. I know that many of you were headed in the wrong If it wasn't for God's intervention, you would still be in that direction going the wrong way. And it took the power of God to get a hold of you and turn you around. But the thing that bothers me is what I see a lot of Christians who preach a Christ and also on on social media pictures that have a picture of this Jesus's hand is like this and your hand is reaching up the problem is is that your hand was never up reaching up to God it was never up your hand was always down with your back towards God it takes God getting you and pulling you away from your sin then you understand you understand what grace is all about that's what grace is there's a word that they, a lot of ministries use called prevenient grace. Prevenient grace is, is a grace where it is your hand reaching out and God saying, please come to me. If you just reach a little further and reach a little further, then I will grab a hold of you. But if you let go of me, if you let go of me, it's on you. I can't get you back. That's called prevenient grace. There's no such thing as that. Then grace isn't so amazing if that's grace. That's not so amazing to me. The amazing grace is the fact that I didn't want God, I didn't know God, all I did was fight God and rebel against God, was at war against God, and then God saved me and rescued me, showed me my wretchedness, and then I come to saving faith in Him, and that I will do everything I can to tell everybody that they need Jesus. That we will move as people and tell everyone throughout this city, and God's people do move, and we proclaim Christ throughout Phoenix. That's our desire. To proclaim Christ throughout Arizona. To proclaim Christ through the United States. Wherever God decides to move you and take you. But when you're in the will of God and you're obedient to the things of God. God will do everything so that he gets the glory through your life. The problem with a lot of ministers and a lot of different types of teaching. Is that the individual who stands and gets a microphone. Really shouldn't be with a microphone. Because all we hear is about what he is. And what he's doing. And where he's going. And nothing about who Jesus is. Yeah. Nothing at all. The people need to understand who Jesus is. They need to understand who Christ is in everything. And that he is more than enough. Because I tell you. If you have Christ. You have everything. Yeah. If you don't have Christ, then you have nothing. But you have to have Christ. Christ is what's important. So this church understood that. They gave you Christ. They didn't say they're going to get Christ plus this. You're going to get Christ plus this. No, you get Jesus. And Jesus is more than enough. He's all we need. Jesus is enough. 
the problem with the problem here was that they were adding things to Jesus, saying, "There's things that you need, but you also have to do this. You have to add a little work to your Jesus." No, Jesus already did the work for us. He said it's finished. All we have to do is understand that we are saved by God's grace, right? We understand we are saved by faith alone. We thank the Lord for him doing everything that we couldn't do for ourselves. You could have never done it. If you have to follow the Ten Commandments, you'll never be able to follow it. You'll fail each and every time. God comes and he obeys the law to the letter, fulfills the law. And then he's righteous, and he gives you your, his righteousness to you, and you give him what? Your filth. Because you can't stand before God in your own righteousness. And you'll never be able to achieve it. But the problem is that there's a lot of people that teach that, well, if you work hard enough, then you can achieve your righteousness. I can remember hearing a gospel, and this is the gospel that I knew growing up, is that once I said that prayer, and if I did say that prayer, the sinner's prayer, mind you, there is no sinner's prayer in the Bible. But if I did say that prayer, I knew that if I said it and I didn't believe it, I mean, if I didn't walk in it and I didn't absolutely was 100% obedient to it, then I was playing games with God. So I said, I'm not going to say that prayer because if I do and I still go ahead and wallow in my sin, still do all kind of other crazy things, then I really wasn't serious with God. Then therefore I'm not saved. I could lose my salvation. And so that is what I was always taught. So it was always like, every week I got to do right, every week I got to do right, and if I f fail, and I don't hit the mark, and I miss the mark, then I feel like salvation really wasn't for me, that I lost it. But when God saves you, God keeps you. This is the full assurance of Christ, and the mystery of, his, of, of, of the, what it's read, the full assurance and understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, is that when God saves you, he keeps you. You'll never get away from him. You belong to him. And so you can rest in that. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. You understand he's our Sabbath rest? You rest in Jesus. He did the work for you. And so you rest in Jesus. He is our Sabbath rest. Working to achieve righteousness. He does it for us. We don't need to. But yet we understand the balance between people who use legalism and people who use lawlessness. There has to be a balance we have to abide by Jesus' commands and not to abuse his grace. But you know all of you will make a mistake. That's just what we do. We make mistakes. But if you woke up this morning, you thank God, and you move forward. You repent, and you move forward. And so it's very simple. But so many teachers will try to make it hard. And so here he's saying it's very simple. Let's go back to the text. Number two, again. It says... That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is in Christ. Which is in Christ. On the sermon note, point two says, Paul encourages the believers to have hearts comforted by the Holy Spirit. Be knit together by love and to reach full assurance of the knowledge of Christ. They knew who God was, they knew what God was like because they knew who Jesus was. So they knew who the invisible God was, God the Father. They knew what he was like through Jesus. Jesus is the icon of God. And they had this faithfulness to the word of God. But it was very important to understand like, what kind of doctrine was being taught. What kind of gospel was being offered. 
The kind of gospel that you should offer others is Christ. You give them Christ. That's who you give them. I made a lot of mistakes in my early years of ministry since 99. And I mentioned a guy named T-Bone. Even he had it wrong. <laughs> Believe me, he had it wrong too. But we were just growing. Now my thing is, when, you're, when, you're, when you get saved, you have a lot of zeal. How many of you, when you were first born again, you had so much zeal. You wanted to get out there and do so many things. But you didn't know anything about Christ. All you know is, this is what he's done for me. Let me tell you about what he's done for me. And I can remember say, saying things out there on the microphone, standing behind her saying all this and that. And particularly, there was many people that would minister and share things about Jesus. And say, Jesus could do this and Jesus will do that. If you come to him, this is the offer I'm giving you the Jesus that will wipe away your sin debt. If you just come to him, Jesus will pay your mortgage payments if you just come to him. Jesus will give you new clothes and new cars if you just come to him. He'll heal you of your diseases if you just come to him. Just come to him. That's the mistake that many of us made. We made those mistakes. But I can stand up here and say I made those mistakes, repented of those mistakes, sat down, took the time to be discipled so I could preach the true gospel, which is what Christ has done for you. And that this is what you get. You get Christ. Let's go on. Verse 3. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He says, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. There were very, very bright people there in Colossae, Greeks who were very uh, well uh, versed. They were smooth talkers. Smooth talkers. Summer point number three says, real knowledge and wisdom is in Christ. And the Colossians showed evidence of their knowledge and wisdom by expressing love. Those that are walking in the love of God are really showing that they understand the teaching that they've been getting. They, they get theology. They have right theology, a proper doctrine, when you're walking in the love of God. When you're walking in the love of God. Now, there was two concerns he had for this church. Two concerns, and we just read it there. One was the people that come with plausible arguments. Meaning, they smooth talkers, real smooth talkers, telling you it's not just enough to believe in Jesus. It's not just enough. You need to do something else as well they're very very good at what they teach but they're just plausible arguments deceptive words non-truths so his concern were were two things it was a theological concern it was kind of like saying today um christians and i mentioned this last week christians who um say they love god they love god they, they understand a doctrine but it's okay to read horoscopes um, people who are following Jesus but also say, well, it's also okay to use, speak things with your mind and start speaking words in the air um, and, and call things that are not as though they are because you're twisting scripture. And so there's people that have these type of teachings and arguments when it's not biblical. These are people that would take and say, you know what, you need to have philosophy. These are people who are very smart. You need to add a lot of philosophy to your Christianity human philosophy so that you can start thinking outside your mind don't keep God in a box God can do everything and you just got to walk in it you got to speak into it existence and these are the things that they were teaching the church there but it was unbiblical it was unbiblical and you get a lot of this Christianity today Christians who do say things like that or believe things like that but if you take that scripture it was a book of Romans it's uh, God calls those things that are not, is all they are, 
that is God that calls things that are dead as they were, as though they're not, as though they are, meaning he's the only one that can call things into existence. He called you into existence. You were once dead, but now you are alive. He brought you back from the dead. So only God can do that. But if you take a scripture like that and you twist it around, well, maybe I can call things that are not as though they are. And it's really like human philosophy and uh, ways to try to get you to veer from the word of God and the understanding of God's word. You get Christ. The other thing was a personal perspective. Wanted to make sure that they were, they were sound theologically, but the other part of it was making sure that they have the right perspective so they can defend against heresy, so that you can defend against heresy. Sometimes you don't even know what heresy is, is being spoken to you. And you have to be aware of the heresy that's being spoken to you. And you're aware of it. And you'll say, I know. I know what the word teaches me. So I can defend against that heresy. I can defend and make sure that let me show you in the word of God where it says it doesn't say that at all. So you read the scripture in its context. You begin always in the context of the letter. So he was concerned about that. So that's why he wanted to meet them face to face want to make sure they were on point although they were moving and they were strong in the things of God they were taking their city for the glory of God he still wanted to meet them face to face still wanted to meet them face to face but there were people who had plausible arguments they spoke so well that they can woo you into a different direction they can seduce you into a different direction because of how smart they were and and their arguments that they put forth that everyone would believe it then he says this for though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Jesus, your good order. You were like a, like a they were militant. They were like, when it came to the things of God, they stood firm in their faith. But that's a military term. They were on it. They were guarded. They had their defenses up. They knew well aware. They were well aware of what would come to them was heresy. And they were able to refute it because they were in people in good order. And it says, and the firmness of your faith in Jesus. These are the people that have committed to the things of God. When you're committed to the things of God, you're going to learn the things of God. You're going to work together. You're going to be strong together because you're committed to the things of God. And you'll grow strong in it as well. So you can't be moved. So you can't be moved. Now, let's go to the application part of it because this is important. Understanding what this text means. That Paul wanted to meet them face to face. He wanted to share uh, in their, in their, want to rejoice with them of what they've learned about the things of God. He wanted to make sure that they were sharp. This is where iron sharpens iron truly comes in. Two men of God, three, three women of God, whatever, coming together and going over the text, going over the scripture, making sure that we're sharp in the things of God. Making sure that we all understand doctrine and it's not uh, false doctrine because false doctrine divides. True doctrine always unites. False doctrine divides. So, the application part of it is this. Number one, continually pray. Continually pray. That means pray every day for your church family. You should be praying for the person next to you. You should be praying for the person across here. We should all be praying for each other. Now, rest assured that you are all being prayed for. How does it make you feel that all of you know that you're being prayed for? Does it make you feel? How does it make you feel? That someone's standing there and interceding for you. And we do. We, every Monday we pray for all of you. Absolutely all of you. And it's amazing to see God responds. Because what we pray for you, you don't know. But what we pray for you, we end up seeing the results of it. Because we can look and see and we know that God is absolutely answering prayer. Pray for people. Pray for the people in your church. But also pray for your loved ones that you know need Jesus. 
They need Christ. They need Christ. Pray for them. Talk to them. Number two, here's the other thing that we need to do. We need to spend time with new Christians. How many of you know someone who's new in the faith? Take them to lunch. Invite them over for dinner. Talk to them about the Bible. Spend time with together. Encourage them to grow in their faith. This is some of the things that we don't really do as the body. We need to do this. We need to hang together. That's why we do little things together. You know here at the church we always do little things together. Because we want to do life together. We want to talk about the things of God together. And so sometimes you can't say things now that you want to say later. Or maybe I've said something that you weren't too, um, you didn't understand, you want to talk about. Those are great opportunities and times to get together and discuss scripture. Or whatever's happening in your life, let's talk about it. Spend time with new Christians. Invite them over to your house. Spend time with them. Have lunch with them. Number three, have your hearts knitted together in love. Meaning all of you should love the word of God. Let's come together. Let's learn the word of God together. Let's study the word of God together. Let's make sure we're being taught the word of God together accurately as the scripture teaches us. Number four, growing in the word means understanding it. Understanding the word of God. You have to understand it and then you apply it to your life. You will then move in your faith to do great things for God's glory. You will do great things for God's glory. You belong to him. You have this new commitment, this new life. And your job is to study the word of God, to be teachable, to be teachable. Number five, grow in your knowledge of theology because it matures you in Christ and strengthens your church. I want you guys to go really quick to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. This is very important. I want you to grow in your knowledge of theology. Theology is your understanding of the word of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and I'm going to begin in verse 5. No, I'll begin in verse 1. Verse 1. 2 Corinthians 11. Are you there, church? Okay, read this. That's what it says. Because I want you guys to grow in your knowledge of theology, because it matures you and also strengthens the church. If all of you are growing in the word of God, the church is that much stronger. I don't care for 25 people today, 75 people, whatever. You are all going to enhance the church because all of you are going to be stronger in your faith. You are committed, you are in good order, and you are firm, and you are standing in the word of God. So it reads this. This is Paul, same letter, I mean, uh, to, a, to a different church in Ephesus, same writer. This is Paul. He says, I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. I wish you could bear with me in a little foolishness, he says. Do bear with me. For I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. So here's Paul saying, people of God, I've given you the word of God. I've told you about one God, one. But you're following other gods now. You're doing other things. You're not following after what's being taught as the word of God teaches us. So I'm a little jealous now. To present you as a pure virgin to Christ. He says, but I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaim, or if you received a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. 
He's concerned because of you growing Christians. It's our concern as well. You who are growing in the faith, you are understanding the, God, the word of God, and you understand this is the reborn church. It's like you re, you're relearning a lot of things. You never thought uh, you would have to relearn again, but you understand the word of God that's accurately being, accurately being taught today is not to be fooled by plausible arguments from someone to pull you away from some of the simplicity of the gospel. It's very simple, but people will make it hard. You gotta look a certain way. You can't. You can't. You gotta cut your mustache off, or you, you can't wear long pants, or you got. You can't do the same things they want to add to Jesus. You can't add to Jesus. He's done everything already. Our job is to study the Word of God and not listen to plausible arguments for people that would try to pull us away from the things of God. Jesus is more than enough. But yet people will try to add things to your Christianity that aren't biblical. You can't add to Jesus. What did I say? If you add to Jesus, you're really taken away from him. You couldn't add to it. And so here, Paul in this letter to the church uh, in Corinthian, this church that was so corrupted that needed a lot of correction is of great concern. And so this is the concern that he has for the church in Colossae. Finally, go back to your application. Number six, true doctrine unites, but false doctrine divides. We will bump heads with people that don't believe what we believe. And it's because they need to know the truth. But we want to be able to have conversation and not conflict. True doctrine unites. That's what unites all of us. Number seven, the love of Christ should be evident in your life. Is the love of Christ evident in your life? Are you expressing Christ-like love wherever you go? Now, finally, eight, in Christ are hidden all the treasure of wisdom and knowledge. Christ is everything. The Christ that we offer at this church is Christ and Christ alone. There's nothing that needs to be added to the Christ that we teach. But there's so many things that will add to Jesus here and there. You get Christ, that's all you need is Christ. That's all you need and that's what you're going to get. You're going to understand the birth. You're going to understand the life. You're going to understand the death, the burial, the resurrection, dissension, ascension. And you know that Jesus is coming again. Do you believe that Jesus is coming again? We know that Jesus is coming again. Let us pray.